Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to Up Level Together podcast, place to up level in every aspect of your life, from personal development to mindset and spirituality to business tips and relationships building. We bring you best interviews, tools, and inspiration where one episode can change your whole life. Here's your host, Jasna Borza. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to Up Level Together podcast, where every single conversation has a potential to change the way we look at the world and change the trajectory of our life. And I really mean that, especially in today's conversation. I am bringing you a powerful uh, conversation with Gloria Prima, who is an author, educator, researcher, scientist, and a healer. An author of the book, It's All Light, The Morphic Resonance of Light. Uh, in this book, uh, Gloria Prima asserts that she's found the grand unifying theory where she is unifying science and spirituality, which is such a really beautiful, powerful thing to do in today's um world where physics is really having a field day with the quantum mechanics and not being able to really understand the the subatomic world and some of its findings because how they relate with consciousness. In her book, It's All Light, she demonstrates how everything around us is actually light, one spirit, and she's using sound scientific proof to back up its claims. And it is really incredible. Um, one of the the former Canadian Minister of Defense says that she may indeed be onto something so historic in its implications. And In Touch Magazine said it's provocative, thought provoking, and definitely worth reading. Um, and uh, uh, her book is so accessible to lay readers and may as well blow your mind. And I found her book in 2020 when I was going through a spiritual transformation. And after having read 20, 30, 40 quantum physics, quantum mechanics books, I was so baffled. I still couldn't understand how everything worked. And I read her book and I had an aha moment after an aha moment. She, the, the book is very well researched and she explains her theory, how she found it. And also what I absolutely love in these podcast episodes is that how does this relate to my life today, right now? We also talk about the law of uh, attraction, which is actually, um, Gloria says, a misnomer. It is. It should be a law of resonance. And she talks about, you know, not only how we we find it and how um, we come into the resonance, what it is that we want. She offers practical um, tips, daily tips on how to actually uh, do that. Um, we talk about intention, and there are certain things that we can do every single day to have a better, more aligned, more resonant life. And and it really, in the end, it's all about love. We've been talking about this at the Up Level Together podcast for such a long time. 
it is love. There are certain things that we cannot explain. There are certain things that science now is coming through and explaining what mystics have been talking about for millennia. So this is a powerful conversation. Grab a notebook, have an open mind. And even if there was one thing that you pick up from the conversation, I really do believe that it could forever change the trajectory of your life. So without further ado, here's Gloria Prima, the author of It's All Light. And a quick note that if you go to Gloria's website and sign up for her email address, this is just for the listeners of the Up Level Together podcast, you're going to get a free um, audio book of her book, It's All Light. Listen, enjoy, and watch everything change. Here's Gloria Prima. I am beyond excited, so honored, and so grateful that you've taken the time to talk to me here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So, uh, like I have talked about your book, um, It's All Light, has profoundly, profoundly, profoundly altered my life. And when people say, well, how can a book change your life? I'm like, you have to read it to understand it. I found the book at a time where I was really starting to research quantum physics and zero point field and understand that there is new science coming through that helps explain our existence in this world, but it was just going well over my head. I couldn't understand it. I felt like I needed to, I needed a PhD just to read some of those textbooks. And then I read your book that actually came up with a completely new theory. First and foremost, what prompted you to actually write the book? Yeah, I was, uh, I had begun my science degree. Um, I was one year into my science degree when I had what I suppose you could call a spiritual awakening experience, and it was through spiritual healing. Um, And several things at the time all sort of converged. So it led me to investigate because I thought, well, things I was experiencing, I thought there must be physics to describe it. There must be. Then I set about uh, investigating how they can happen, why they would happen. And uh, taking notes. And so, you know, I started keeping a notebook and then I was doing a science degree and was reading book after book after book and going to lectures and workshops and So this went on for, uh, it ended up being about 17 years in total, where I was, uh, I finished my degree within that time, of course, but um, the study of science and the study of spirituality, it went on for about 17 years. And I was was just taking notes for my own understanding for years, um, how to, how I could, how I could explain one with the other. And then it was at the end of that period of time, it was about 17 years when I realized I I had a complete theory. I could explain everything with the same theory. And that was when I decided to make it a book. And um, that was 2009. And that was when the book was first published. Okay, I I love this. And um, so what is your degree in? It's in, uh, it was with the Open University in the UK and I did health, um, physics, chemistry, biology, earth sciences. Uh, we did, we touched on quantum physics. 
And, and now there's all this research that you talk about in your book. It is, you know, you, you present really the unified theory in the complete sense that it reconciles the, the contradictory theories in, in physics that I hope we're going to talk about a little bit because it is a lot. And you said that it reconciles science and spirituality. Mystics have been saying the truth for millennia and now it feels like quantum mechanics and new research is coming through to confirm some of the things that we have known deep inside on a spiritual level. So tell us about the the uh, the theory that you have developed and um, which I think is absolutely groundbreaking in terms of today's today's world and um, just what what it means for for all of us today. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, first of all, I would say I call the theory the morphic resonance of light. And um, <clears throat> I'll explain that term. The word, the word morphic means form or shape. And resonance means uh, sound or continuous sounding. So what I'm saying is the basic premise of, of the theory is that everything is made of light and it's held together with sound, by sound. So what I'm saying is sound compels the construction of form. I'm also saying that sound is slow light. And there's a really good demonstration of this in a um, book, uh, um, which shows a diagram of when you, when you play the, the musical notes, say you take middle C, for example, and you play it 40 octaves higher, it produces the color blue. So each note on the scale on the octave produces the colors of the rainbow. Um, this was groundbreaking to me when I discovered this. But um, so what I'm saying is that everything is light. It's all light. Even sound is light. Now, how to begin? Um, okay, so you have space and you have planets. Now, I'm saying everything is light. Now, space is light and planets themselves are light. Now, if you think of a light wave, a light wave's natural movement is spiraling. A light wave naturally spirals as it travels along and it's electromagnetic. Now, the question then is, well, how does that become matter? How does it become form, right? Um, when I first had the realization that everything was made of light and that was a culmination of different things that happened. But then I thought, well, how, how does it produce physical matter? How can, how can something like light produce matter? And I really, did, I really put it together when I discovered vortex theory. There, there was a whole um, uh, school of thought in the, the 1900s of the, the vortex theory. Um, many scientists at the time believed that, they, that um, there were two forces in the universe, vortex and the ether. And, and so anyway, when I came across this, this work about the vortex, that was like the big aha moment. That's what made me <laughs> realize that that's how matter is made out of light, that is through the vortex. So let me explain. When uh, you have the light waves, the spiral, spiraling light waves traveling along, when they encounter a sound field, which is a morphic resonance template, they have no choice but to take their place in that field and become the pattern, the form. And they can do that through the vortex. When, if you imagine a spiraling wave traveling along, when it encounters a sound field, 
it has no choice but to stop and become matter. And when a light, when a spiral stops, it can't go any, it can't go forward. What would it do? It would naturally spin in on itself. And this creates the particle of matter. It creates the physical particle, the atom, the subatomic particles. They're all spinning light waves held on one point. Now, we know we can we can demonstrate this um, principle through uh, uh, the study of cymatics. I don't know if you've heard of, well, you've read the book, you must have heard of it. <laughs> um, cymatics. It's a field of study that began in the 1700s. And basically, you take a, a plate. I did my own experiments with this, and there's photos of it. I saw that. A, a yeah, a metal plate. And I scattered sand on the plate, and then you attach a frequency generator to the plate. And, and as you change the frequency, the pattern changes immediately. And it, it provides very complex patterns, beautiful geogra uh, geometrical patterns. And you can do these experiments with any, any kind of material. That's it, that's the one. I did, I used sand, but um, other scientists have used um, uh, uh, liquids and paste. Uh, Dr. Hans Jenny in the 1950s did experiments, 3D experiments with liquids and paste and was able to create 3D models using the, the sound frequencies. So that's the basic principle of how uh, light waves become matter. They're traveling along because light, light has no rest energy anyway. It's constantly moving. We know this in physics. So it's constantly moving, but the only time it, it comes to a stop, or it doesn't stop, it just doesn't go forward, but spins in on itself is when it encounters the sound field. So that's the basic principles of the, the morphic resonance of light. And if you think of this as the, if you think of the, the solar system, for example, so um, on, on those images, you'll see that there are places where there's like collection of matter. Those would be the nodes. I know it is a collection of matter where there's slower frequency and then there's lots of spaces where there's no sand. So those would be the fields and they're places of frequency. So if you think of that, use that principle and, and apply it to the universe, the nodes would be the planet and the fields would be the empty space. So I believe that, and I think there's good evidence for this, that the pattern uh, of of the universe is uh, it's a, a giant sound. It's a resonating sound throughout the cosmos, and this um, touches on the Vedic philosophy, the ancient Vedic philosophy. They believe that the universe is uh, like a giant tapestry, and many traditions throughout the world believe that the universe was sung into being. There's a lot of references to sound. Uh, even in the Christian Bible, they talk about the word. The beginning was the word. So I thought, well, the, the, I used the word, um, this, the sound rather, om in the book as a representative of that universal sound. Um, it's a, it, om is, a, is a, an ancient sound that's used in many traditions just to describe that primal sound, that universal sound. So that's what I've used in the book, the sound of om. And so what, so what I'm seeing is all the sounds, all the patterns, the tapestry, the overall harmony are, is contained in the OM 
the pattern that's already existing. The, the prim, yeah, the primordial ohm. I, I love that. Well, let me, so there are people who are going to listen to this. They, they will be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, the wave, the particle. I, I didn't pay attention in physics in, in college. So let's take them back just a little bit to explain the difference and or the findings in physics and quantum mechanics that is this very revolutionary that particles behave like waves double slit experiment that you also talk about in the book mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well what i've just described is explains the wave particle duality of light mm -hmm. you know it's it's a a wave in its original form light is a wave and it becomes a particle due to the the sound of the morphic resonance field um, there are these fields, these templates are in existence and the double slit experiment is a demonstration of that. It's a, an experiment that's taught to all undergraduate physics students and they send light waves through a plate with two slits. And of course, they, you know, it creates a band of, of lines on the back plate. Um, because light is behaving like a wave and it's causing all these different lines to appear. But then when the next part of the experiment is they, they send single photons through the two slits. And um, when they do that, of course, um, you should just get two slits. But what happens is you still get all the bands, which means individual particles are behaving like waves. Now, I'm saying that, and that's a big mystery to science, but I'm saying that happens because the plate with the two slits is, create, is, is a morphic resonance field. It has its own morphic resonance field, and the light is just behaving as light does. But the interesting part of the experiment happens in the third phase when they set up a detector to detect which slit the particle goes through particles change the behavior and go back to creating two slits. So the act of being detected changes their behavior. Now, I think, first of all, it demonstrates that morphic resonance fields are in existence. And, and also, um, it's showing that um, there's consciousness involved here that's changing behavior. I believe that the light waves are making a decision change behavior because there are being laws of the third dimension which says that single photons going through two slits should create two lines so i think it's showing that the the light is conscious because it's making a decision it's changing behavior and when they set up the detector the first time they set up the detector to detect which um, slit the, the photons were going through they, they weren't expecting it to change behavior. So it wasn't as if their expectation caused it, you know, it was, didn't expect that to happen. So I think it shows that light itself is conscious. And this is central theme throughout the book that, that light is conscious and consciousness is light. So that is what I think at the heart of needing to have this conversation. It's really mind blowing that you know, if I oversimplify, we're all made of light, like you said, it's like, oh, here I am, my hand, my body, my hair. But if we, it's, if we go all the way down to quantum reality, which is anything smaller than the atom, 
and break it all the way down it's pure energy it's waves right mm -hmm. and those waves interact certain way they're able to be uh, change its behavior just by the mere um, uh, moment of us observing it which is fascinating because that that goes back to us needing being able to morph our own bodies our own existence our own reality around us correct mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes we can because if our if our consciousness is light waves and everything in the universe is light waves and we're all made of light and everything is made of light and you know we have that potential within us mm -hmm. to, to create and we're going to talk about that because you wrote yeah. an incredible book besides it's all light how to attract using the law of resonance so um let's talk about first of all let's explain to people what law of resonance is and why that's so important in the uh, law of attraction which is actually a misnomer you say mm. i believe so um when you want to attract something you really have to be in the same resonance as it in order to be in the same field you know you have to be in that resonance the, the law of attraction i know it's talked about a lot but um i think i think it is a slight misnomer i think it should be the law of resonance i mean there's there are various experiments that will the, that will demonstrate this you know the one about the um when you have if you put pendulum clocks all in a room together the one with the strongest resonance will set all the others off in the same rhythm um, same with like guitar strings. If you have a, several guitars in a room and and pluck um, the A string, for example, all the A strings of the other guitars will start to vibrate because of resonance, sympathetic resonance. So it's it's the law of nature. And I think what um, slightly misled people about the law of attraction was, not, excuse me, not understanding that. You have to have you have to be in the resonance of what you want to attract or what you are what you want to have you have to be in that resonance that same resonance yeah, but how do people do that right how do i be in a resonance and i'm, I'm going to give um an example from the book where you talk you know talk about placing several guitars in the room and you know if you do if you pluck the uh, the a string of the guitar soon enough all the other guitars will start to vibrate even without being touched like it is just it's it's mind-boggling and then you say the potential is within the string but it doesn't release its potential until it recognizes the precise number of the waves of the frequency mm -hmm. so it's that environment like i was i mean i i'm like wait a minute this is this is amazing this is what david hawkins talked about turning potentiality into actuality and you were explaining it in terms of physics and and law of resonance it's really very simple and well it's simple to explain it that way but we find it harder to do in our own lives right but um so so what i recommend people do is to uh, use there's so many methods now that people can use there's so much on the internet you know the internet's been great for that there's so many therapists healers free free training courses mentors are all over the internet and i've got many mentors on the internet I, I, what i would suggest to people is you know if if you're in a situation where um you know they say that they say that um 
the five people that we spend most of our lives with, most of our time with, are the ones that we end up becoming like because we're in the same resonance. We adopt the same habits, the same thoughts, you know, same frequencies. So one way out of that would be, if you're not happy where you are, one way to out of that would be to look for mentors, people who have the energy, the resonance of what you want to be or you want to become and hang around them or befriend them or follow them online. Um, other things people can do is uh, some therapy, self-therapy, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I like EFT so much, emotional freedom technique techniques, and I'm trained in that, and that has helped me enormously um, because it really you can really discover what your true feelings are, what your true resonance is, and you might discover something that's been holding you back that you didn't even realize because we all come into this life and you know we adopt family belief systems that sometimes may not be very helpful um, but it doesn't mean you have to be stuck with them but it takes some work sometimes to really get to the bottom of it and really change them but um, yeah, everything's changeable and you, you can do a lot by exploring in that way to discover what you want to change and what you want to become in order to get into the right resonance and books as well and I love books I'm a real bookworm and books have helped me enormously as well um, get to change my resonance. Yeah, so this is great. And and for those of you listening, it's like we're moving from, wait a minute, you're talking about waves and subatomic particles and then it, it beliefs and, and consciousness. That is because they are so interrelated. And now, what is another word for resonance? Like, is it frequencies? We talk a lot about the, you know, what is your vibrational field? Would you tell us we're just going to mm -hmm. clarify a little bit like is resonance the, the our our vibe our vibration or what david hawkins talks about you know map of consciousness how we we vibe at certain emotions or a certain level mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah every particle both rotates and vibrates up and down and so we have this frequency going on all the time so the resonance is just like i said earlier it's just continuous sounding it's what we're um what we are vibrating to in our field and our field is our body our thoughts our emotions all of it is, has a particular frequency and that's our resonance so but it can be shifted you know i i use the analogy in the book uh, of the like a radio set or a tv set and if you want to change your frequency, you just like turning the dial. Now, if, you, you know, if you're watching television, you have a picture, you have a sound. Well, if you turn, turn the dial, flick the switch, you pick up a different frequency. You have a completely different picture, completely different sound. So it's the same thing with us. It's a case of tuning, tuning to a different frequency. And another way to do that is through meditation. That's a powerful way to change your frequency. Why do these practices work on our resonance? Do they increase our vibration? Because you talk about the the resonance spinning or particles spinning at a faster frequency. This is from mm -hmm. physics. Um, when we when we become more coherent, more resonant, right? So why do these practices like EFT and meditation? How do they achieve that so that we can become more resonant with the, with this universe? Mm. everything is frequency including our consciousness 
So we can tune into different levels of consciousness, different frequencies of consciousness. It's like levels, many, many, many levels, many dimensions. I actually talk in the book about the harmonic dimensions because I'm saying that light and sound are the same thing. Sound is slow light. And as sound is harmonic, then light must be harmonic because of the same thing. So what I'm saying is in quantum physics, they, you know, they speak of 11, they believe there's 11 dimensions. Well, I'm saying there probably are many more than that, but um, I'm saying they're harmonic dimensions. So by various practices, and meditation can be one of them, mm -hmm. uh, what you're doing is you're attuning yourself a different frequency so a different frequency on a higher harmonic for example where there's more coherence we haven't talked about coherence yet but where there's more coherence on a higher harmonic so when that happens for example if you want to live a better life why are we in a better mood or in a better state of mind when we are in a higher frequency Mm. Well, there's more purity because um, this 3D world is, um, I, I don't believe it's the lowest uh, level of consciousness. I believe there's lower levels, but um, it's, you know, we have all the 3D physical stuff around us, all the negativity of the, you know, that's everywhere, especially in the media at the moment. Um, we're having to encounter all of these things on this level of existence, this particular frequency. Now, <clears throat> many, many experiments have proven, you know, the problems with fear, um, anger, hatred, and that's what um, makes us ill, lowers our frequency. And that, that could, that's been proven with experiments. Um, I could just tell you about one at the moment. Um, Dr. Emoto's, uh, Dr. Emoto, who did the experiments with the water crystals, mm -hmm. and he took um, water and uh, flash froze it, and he produced these beautiful crystals because that's the natural, you know, form of water. And then, but he, what he found was that water that had been subjected to pollution or um, any kind of pollution, even words, anger, words of anger and hatred the crystals couldn't form properly they were distorted so in his experiments he took the, he took water that was polluted or distorted and he he um changed it by taping on words like love i love you peace words like that onto the water vial and then when he froze it he got these beautiful water crystals perfectly formed so he was able to demonstrate that fear, hatred, um, energies like that can be transmuted by using words like love, peace, etc. Now, if you think of our bodies, we're made of 70 to 90% water, the number varies according to who you talk to, but we're mostly water. And so if you, if you apply that principle to that, just that alone, the water alone in our bodies, you know, look how much the fear and hatred is making us sick, mentally and physically sick. Um, but then you can shift that with, you know, positivity of going into meditation, thinking higher thoughts, linking with a source of love, 
because it's love that creates true coherence and that's also been proven in experiments and so that's why when you're meditating you're linking to another uh, higher harmonic through meditation or there are many ways to do it and you can change how you feel you can change you can lift yourself physically and consciously gloria you and i have previously touched upon this there has been so much scientific proof and books written the studies performed why is it that as humans we're having such a hard time believing in the science that's coming out about the 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 light and the resonance and the emotions i mean we we believe that there's a guy who walked on water <laughs> but we don't believe that the, the that you know we're all made of light so where's the disconnect do you think mm -hmm. well i think it's uh the disciplines have just not been talking to each other <laughs> science and spirituality or science and religion you know they've been so far apart for so long um i think i think that's been been the root cause of it there's such a disconnect and so that was my passion was to bring them together it's, it's really silly they don't need to be apart they're part of the same you know they can be united with the same understanding um so i think it's just been that they haven't uh, been willing to uh, to discuss uh, to unite uh, they see themselves as very very separate and, and humanity tends to do that anyway you know we tend to put ourselves into different camps different religions different belief systems it's a it's a human trait of where we're at at the moment but um it doesn't have to be like that that was what i really tried to prove in the book it just doesn't have to be like that it's, it can be united um yeah yeah and even the even the i didn't mention before but the the um even within the different um, camps, like science and spirituality, that you have camps within the camps that don't even aren't even united. You know, they don't speak to each other. Um, in science, you know, they have the um, they have a lot of um, things in science where they can't even unify their own theories. You know, like the four major forces of physics: electromagnetism. Um, gravity strong nuclear forces even that isn't united and yet they've gone on to try and describe quantum physics which again they've made more complicated it doesn't have to be that way but morphic resonance resonance of light i can ex i can unify the forces i'll just quickly say how i do that um so electromagnetism is the light wave it's electric and because it's spinning electricity creates magnetism mm -hmm. when it encounters the morphic resonance template and stops and spins in on itself becoming a particle that's what i'm calling gravity mm -hmm. it's the pulling in of the light wave onto a point of spin which is gravity mm -hmm. now if you take that on and on up to a bigger level a planet in the morphic resonance field a planet the node point is composed of billions of atoms all pulling in the light wave to a point of spin and that creates the gravity of the planet. And it creates the North and South Pole because light is electromagnetic. There we can unite electromagnetism and gravity. The strong and weak nuclear forces are part of the morphic resonance pattern. We see them in the pattern. 
parts of the pattern move, some of them stay, stay the same. So in the atom, you have a strong nuclear force, which is very hard to break. There's a frequency that's holding it in place. And then the weak nuclear force is easy to break and it, the electrons move. But again, it's the frequency. They can move when the frequency changes. So the, the frequency of the morphic resonance field describes the whole um, forces in physics, unites all of them. I mean, were you surprised? Were you amazed? Was it a moment of awe when you had when you really came to that conclusion? No, because it was so gradual. It was over all those years, as I say, um, and I was having lots of experiences, um, spiritual as well as um, aha moments. Certainly, the vortex when I discovered the vortex um, physics that was a big aha moment because that let me that allowed me to. Um, describe how matter is created from light. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a big aha moment, but there were several along the way, but uh, no, it was a process. It was a long, long process. Looking at the world right now, the polarity, the, um, the, the rampant incoherence, and we're gonna talk about, I'll, I'll ask you to define what, what that means, but it feels like we're just pulling each other apart and we are, distorted ourselves individually and moving in 100 different directions which i believe is the the would be a proper um uh, definition of incoherence so why don't you um tell us what coherence is and then in turn what incoherence is and why does it matter Inco something that's incoherent so if you imagine waves incoherent waves would be all over the place they'd be all jagged they wouldn't be fitting together whereas coherent waves they all nest within each other, they embed, and it flows. So that's that's roughly what it looks like. Now, coherence is um, very powerful. Uh, for example, an, an example of um, partial coherence would be a laser. We know how powerful lasers are. Mm -hmm. um, the wonderful Professor William Tiller, who I know you know, uh, great inspiration to me. He gave a good example of the power of coherence. He said, in a light bulb, if, when the light bulb is switched on, all the photons come out in all directions incoherently. So we never see the true potential of the light bulb. But he said if the, all the photons came out coherently, he said it would have the power of a thousand to a million times that of the sun. That's the power of coherence. Now, there have been lots of experiments done showing love creates coherence. One of them was uh, Dan Winter, physicist Dan Winter. And I, I watched this in real time here. He, in, in the front of the audience, he, was, he had himself hooked up to an electrocardiogram measuring his heart waves on the screen for everyone to see. And then he, was, he wanted to show the power of love creating coherence. So he got himself into a meditative state and was feeling love and the more he sank into this feeling of love becoming in a state of love the audience were able to see the waves becoming from being chaotic to becoming more and more coherent so that was one demonstration um, the heart math institute in colorado they have uh, they have they've been doing work for decades now into heart coherence and they have many training 
courses available, uh, workshops, things like that, they're worth looking into. They, they've also proven that a coherent HAR, which you can achieve through various techniques that they, they promote and meditation, etc., um, creates a, a feeling of coherence, heart coherence. And it, they describe the, it creates like a torus field where we have a field around the human body anyway, but the, the field itself becomes coherent. And then it affects through resonance other people around you. And that they become so coherent. Amazing. And it's 5,000 times stronger than, than the, the, you know, the, the waves from the brain, correct? The, brain, the, the heart radiates um, um, mag magnet, magnetism 5,000 times more powerfully than the brain. Um, it's measured in something called femtoteslas, 5,000 times more powerful than the brain. The heart is really the power organ of the body. So, you know, and that's the power that when people say, like, I feel I walk into a room and I just feel the energy like they're not actually making it up. They're not crazy. They're actually feeling those those waves and they're being impacted by the coherence or incoherence. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And when you become sensitive to it, because you become sensitive when you've done work on yourself, you've cleared a lot of stuff, you've you know, you've done a lot of practices to, uh, you can't help but becoming more sensitive to it, um, fields. But um, most people have it, I think. They just perhaps ignore it. You know, when you go into a building, you sense whether there's coherence or good energy or bad energy. You know, it's a, I think it's quite a primal thing that we can we can detect, but I think most people just ignore it. Perhaps. Well, I feel like that is the narrative that for very many decades it's been that intuition, the power of intuition, or the the inner knowing that it was a joke, right? Because we became so highly educated and intelligent that it couldn't be true. When mystics have been talking about it, Hafiz, Rumi, um, uh, Omar Khayyam from from Persia. They've been talking about the power of love, especially Rumi, and how how it basically connects you to the entire universe. And now the science is coming forth and saying, yes, this is the case. And not only is it true, we can actually measure it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're trying to catch up with that. Um, and, and it's just really brilliant. So let's talk a little bit about why is it important in terms of um, coherence to as we become more coherent those waves become more coherent with one another why is that important for our physical bodies and then um, why is that important for our mental uh, state mm -hmm. well as i said earlier if you remember i was talking about masaru emoto's work with the water crystals because we're made of mostly water that it's, it's very important to achieve as much coherence as you can to keep your water crystals healthy, you know, that's obvious from those um, experiments that he did. Okay. Um, when, they, when they break down, they start communicating or it's not, the communication yeah. happens. And then what happens in the body is, is there's more and more incoherence. That's right. There is, um, that's, that's one way that, that it's necessary, but um, there's other, there are other experiments that have been done uh, Dr. Harry Oldfield in England did experiments with uh, uh, Kirlian photography, 
I talk about this in the book as well. And that Kirlian photography um, shows that there's a template, it actually shows the template, the morphic resonance template around the body. And, and it was shown, demonstrated by various things like a leaf, you cut a tip off a leaf and took the photo and it was still showing the whole leaf. The template was still there. Mm -hmm. um, there's been other experiments have, have shown proven the morphic resonance fields as well. Uh, Harold Saxton Burr in the 50s, he was experiments with seeds and plants, seedlings, etc., eggs. And he found that the egg had a field around it, the shape, same shape as the adult animal. The seedling had the, the shape of the adult plant around it. And they, he described it as like an electrical field. Marcel Vogel in the 60s was working with sorry, liquid crystals with IBM. And he also found this um, field around the liquid crystal and the liquid solidified into the shape of the field. So he called it a, a type of electrical field. So there's lots of, um, ex lots of um, demonstrations of the field in existence. So what I was going to say about Harry Oldfield, what he showed was he um, took photos of cancer patients' fingertips and and people who didn't have cancer and compared them. Now, the people with cancer, light radiations that were emanating, and, and this is biophoton energy, which we all radiate. That's it. That's the one. Biophoton energy, which we all radiate. All living things radiate biophoton energy, mm -hmm. and it can be measured. And I give the proof of that in the book as well. So this light radiation from the cancer is longer longer strands but it's tangled so it's in yeah, incoherent it's incoherent so that incoherent. Is, yeah. mm -hmm. and this is the coherent and that's the, the person on the left there is doesn't have cancer the light looks shorter strands but the difference is it's coherent it's not tangled so I think that's a very good um, example of the importance of coherence for our health, our physical health, um, and remembering our water, how we've got to be a coherent water. So there's there's many reasons why why we have to be in coherence um, mentally as well, because you know the morphic fields are not just physical; have memory. And Rupert Sheldrake, you know, he was famous for discovering the memory fields and the morphic fields. And they do contain memory because nothing is lost. The memory is, um, it's a field within the greater template. We've got, we're like fields within fields. We have many, many layers to us. In the, in the ageless wisdom teachings, the esoteric tradition, they talk about different uh, levels of our existence. We have physical, etheric, a mental body, a spirit, uh, an emotional body, a spiritual body. We're kind of like, you know, Russian dolls, you know, we have all these layers to us and each is a different level of a different dimension, if you like, a different frequency. Um, so we have all these different levels to us. So memory is contained in that. There's nothing is ever lost. Um, the, the memory is part of it. Um, because time, in a sense, doesn't really exist. Relativity describes this. Relativity says that when traveling at very, very fast speeds, time slows down. So taken to its log logical conclusion, it means time has stopped, which means past, present, future all coexist. 
So that means memory is something that has happened in the past still exists. So it's part of our field, our fields, our template. And so that's why, you know, we need coherence, not just in the physical, but it affects every field. And we are on the, you keep telling me, on a brink of a new era where hopefully we're going to come together and start incorporating some of these things. But Gloria, every single day I talk to people who are feeling so utterly lost. We've we've talked about that, where sometimes I feel like I can't find my own footing and we've talked about that. So I know you have talked about it a little bit before, but it's the question that I gotta ask every day. So I wanna, I wanna ask the same question a different way. How do we become more coherent? If today we're just so overwhelmed with negativity, with palpable negative energy and all the chaos, and I feel like I, I don't know what to do, I'm losing it. What can we do? So you talked about meditation, you talked about EFD. What are some other things that we could do to really increase our coherence. So, because you, I'm, I'm, I'm such a convert of Gloria Prima, uh, I'm also a really big fan of music because music can change my frequency, right? I will also bless my coffee or bless my water because I, I believe, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that, the power of intention that in, um, the, uh, changes the, the um, the vibration of 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 the food or, or liquid so tell us what are some of the other things that you have discovered in your research and you talk about it at length um especially at the, in in this little booklet um uh, on how to attract which is really a law of resonance how how do we do that one way would be as you mentioned music and i um i described this in one of the last chapters of the book the music is uh, very, very core, um, because again, it's resonance sound, and that's why it can affect us so deeply. And, you know, find the music that you really resonate with, that really lifts you. You know how some people, some, some pieces of music just lift you to a higher place? And it can be different for different people, but you know that feeling? That's very powerful. It's a very powerful way to change your resonance. And I use it like therapy, you know, just if I'm feeling low, put something on that I know is, is going to make me, lift me up. Um, and, and, you know, as I mentioned in the book, it's interesting that most songs are about love. If you think about it, words are almost always about love. I think it's something innate in us and in artists, certainly. I think many artists are inspired when they write songs. And inspired, uh, I mentioned in the book, it comes from the Latin inspirare, which is taking in spirit. We, we try. So they're literally connecting spirit. Which I love, and you've, you've talked about that, you know, one of the things that he, is we're talking about this, the question of how do we improve coherence, you have throughout the book over and over saying, a quote, it doesn't come down to what you're doing differently. It comes down to what, are, what you're feeling differently. So even if we're listening to a piece of music, find something that you can deeply feel because that is the thing that changes our coherence, correct? And our resonance. Correct. And then for other people, it may be going out to nature. And that, for me, that's one of my tonics. I have to be surrounded by nature, by trees. I have to be out in the green 
um, seeing the, the flowers, the animals, you know, for me, that's the beauty of it for me sometimes is, is overwhelming, um, but in a good way. Uh, so that's another way. And um, yeah, meditation, we talked about that. There are various practices you can do. I, but perhaps a combination of things for people, you know, it has to be find, find whatever suits yourself to get you to that place where you want to feel. Um, Like-minded friends can help us in that way as well. But the main message is that we can do something about <laughs> us are our lack of coherence if people are feeling victims to this world and uh, byproduct and feeling like they have to go along and i think we have changed the narrative and we have to say how what kind of life do i want to live and be very very diligent and disciplined about what we consume and how we lead our life absolutely be careful what you allow into your field. And there's so much negativity out there. And you know, I'm someone, I like to be kept informed of what's happening in the world and what's going on. Um, not through the news media, I have to say, but um, dependent media, I do my own research. Um, and, and much of it, you discover what's going on at the moment is so, so dark, but the important thing is not to stay in that place immediately afterwards do something to lift yourself up again um, if you are going to listen to that stuff or look at that stuff lift yourself up again afterwards by whatever works for you whether it's music or whatever it is you know it's, find something that will lift you back up again raise your frequency again and you'll be able to tell by how you feel you know whether you have achieved that you know achieved it. I'm, I'm glad you said that one of the things that I think was uh, besides the fact that I felt I, I finally got it I finally got those 300 books that there were seemingly uh, disparate in your book and it is I mean you talk about almost every aspect of research and physics that has been done in the last hundred years and more I felt so much, in which I believe that this book by itself vibrates and calibrates certain level. I felt such an incredible hope. And after I, I was so inspired after I read your book. So besides the fact that it was incredibly educational and it was an aha moment for me, I want you to know that it was a profound uh, hopefulness about the world. And I felt like I felt light. I felt lighter because it is all light. And I think that this is a mandatory reading for every man and woman walking the earth, planet earth, because it, you talk about every single um, thing from, from our mental to physical health um, and to what, what, what has been unexplained for such a long time. And you call these unseen realities. There are so many waves that we can't see, right? Microwave waves, gamma waves. There's a reality of, uh, uh, things that we cannot see, just like electricity, but it is there, whether we like it, whether we like it or not, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, and our physical and our electromagnetic spectrum, we, we can only we can only see a very <clears throat> narrow sliver in the middle, but we know the rest of it is there either side. But we can measure the other sides, you know, from gamma rays one end to microwaves at the other. We can measure them with instruments, but we can't see them. 
but they don't stop there. They, the spectrum continues either end. It's just that we stop being able to measure. But what I'm seeing is the that's one one um, level, one band of frequency, one speed of light. I describe the other speeds of light. You jump into another speed of light, which is the next dimension, and an, another speed of light, which is the next dimension, and on and on and on. So we don't know how many dimensions. Quantum physics says probably eleven. There could be a lot more than that. But Gloria, you mentioned earlier the the <laughs> light and the speed of light, and you mentioned the faster speeds of light. Would you just tell us a little bit more about what that means? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the fast. This is where the spiritual aspect comes into the whole theory because the common experiences that people have around the world and always have done, you know, like seeing spirit or hearing a voice of a loved one or um, even UFOs, you know, having a, a vision of a UFO or um, an apparition or um, things like near-death experiences, which are very common around the world. People die, you know, uh, on the operating table. Many times it's recorded they're dead for several minutes often, and then they're revived, they come back to life. And then they talk about this amazing experience, this place that they've been, um, very well documented. So that's the, the, the spiritual side of the theory is incorporated in the faster dimensions. I explain the faster dimensions as being the home of spiritual phenomena. And the same principles apply. You know, and I described how the particles are created out of light through the morphic resonance templates in this dimension, but the same exact same principle applies in the faster dimensions. They made the same way, the faster speeds of light, they're creating the particles and through the morphic resonance templates, exact same principle in each dimension. And so that's why you can have matter in faster dimensions. Um, it's a, a finer matter, it's less dense in this dimension, but it's still matter. So, you know, that's why people see if they have a near-death experience and they go to this place, they see the physical presence of people that they've known in this life or people who know them, they feel connected to them in some way and they have a body, but often they'll say the body is, looks like it's made of light. You know, they, they all say that, in fact, <laughs> that everything had a light around it, a light about them. And it's because it's a finer matter. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I explain the, a lot of the spiritual phenomena that happens. And near-death experiences have been so well recorded. And I talk about, uh, well, you, you'll know I talk about some of them in the book, um, that they can give proof in many cases of the fact that they were somewhere else. And even when it happens, you know, when they leave the body, they all say that they went through a tunnel of light. And again, that's explained by the same theory, because it's a tunnel of light, which is a spiraling light tunnel. And I believe that's the connection between dimensions. There being, and a, and a vortex naturally pulls everything to the center. So they're being drawn into the tunnel and this is how they describe it. And then they find themselves in another place, which is, is filled with light. So um, even the vortex can be used to 
Yeah, like that. Even the vortex can be used. It's the same principle throughout every dimension. I just really love that. And it is, you know, you, you've changed the, the description said juicy science meets spirituality without religion. And it is the answers that I think people have been looking for again and again and again. Again, and even when the, uh, like, how, you know, how does uh, something appear and disappear? You know, they're like an apparition of spirit or something appears and disappears. And it's the same principle, as I mentioned earlier, about the tuning. You know, tuning the frequency. Yeah. So when you're when you leave the body, you're you're in a different um, frequency, a different speed of light altogether, and so that's why you can see it. But then also it can work the other way. If some if someone on the other side wants to appear to you, and that happens to people, they're, what they're doing is changing their frequency. They're tuning to a different frequency, and they can appear in this dimension. And by retuning, they disappear. And I believe that's how it's done. Same principle throughout all the dimensions. So let's talk a little bit about intention. What do we mean intention? The power of intention. What, is, what does that mean? I'd love for you to explore a little bit about the intention, how it collides with science and um, you know quantum mechanics and, and the research, maybe from Dr. Tiller, because that's what he yes. spent a significant amount of time uh, studying. And That's right. I was just going to mention him again, actually, because the experiment that he did with the when he 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 did an experiment where he tried to show that consciousness could affect um, particles within a Faraday cage. In other words, they were in a Faraday cage, you know, it blocks all the electromagnetic energy. So the electrons were inside the Faraday cage. So in theory, nothing should have been able to affect them. However, the experiment was he used his conscious intention to change the behavior of the electrons inside the Faraday cage, and and he was able to do it. <laughs> so that was a that, that was a very convincing experiment showing the power of intention. So. Um, what is the power of intention? If you could describe it in your in your best way, what does that mean? Using your consciousness to affect an outcome. That has an impact on our everyday life. So intention is here's what I'm going to do it and why I'm doing it. So what is the why? What is my intention with this? interview with Gloria, what is my intention, yes. with whatever it is, then I'm changing the outcome of, of that conversation or, the, or of that initiative. That's right. The intention is really the outcome that you want to achieve. That's what the intention is. There was another experiment, I described this in the book, um, doing the real physical effects of everyday things with intention. This was experiment, an experiment, uh, well, a series of experiments that were done at the Pair Labs, Princeton, uh, in Princeton, New Jersey, Princeton University. And they did these experiments on remote intention over a period of 12 years. And it consisted of millions of trials. And then the experiment was to use intention to change the outcome of these random event generators, which they had, you know, the generators would drop balls into slots. And so the experiment was to try and use your conscious intention to change the outcome 
make the balls go to the left or to the right. Um, now, over 12 mil million trials with many, many people, they were able to show that the intention would affect the outcome. And it was, you know, a very, very big experiment with many, many people, many, many trials. So it was statistically very significant. So this is very important for us because, again, it confirms that we can do something about our own reality, about the world. And what I love about your writing is it's never about what can I get, but how may I serve? And mm -hmm. how can I be a vessel of love and, um, and and this beautiful energy of connectedness, which is why I'm, I completely fell in love with you. With, I, I knew you were my person when, when, I, when I read that, but everyone listening to this, we, when we intend something and we really focus on it, we are changing its behavior. So if you want something, you want a better health, you want a better relationship, you want to have a better career or, or just be happier. If you have that intention and importance of holding that intention, right? Becoming having a coherent intention that will have our, an aligned action. And as a result, we will have that reality created for ourselves. Exactly. And the reason I mentioned that particular experiment is because it was a physical, it was a very physical experiment. Walter Russell, who talked at length about light, inspiring light, he talked about us being able to access, you know, what Nikola Tesla talked about, the energy in the air and the vortex, the field, like Lynn McTaggart talked about. And so now the, the research into zero point field is showing that just like memories, nothing is ever stored in our brain, that everything, it, everything that ever was and ever will be already is out there. So Walter Russell talked at length about our ability to tune in with intention and by becoming very highly coherent and, and resonant to receive guidance about bringing something beautiful forth in the world. So would if you would, I would love to have your explanation of well, what is zero point field? Because you talk about it in the book. And then is it true that we can really properly tune in and get quiet and receive the proper guidance that's going to be in alignment with us and the earth? Mm. Yeah, the zero point field um, in the space, you know, the, the temperature of absolute zero, they found that even at that temperature, there were fluctuations in space. And so they called this the zero point energy. Now, um, there have been various scientists that have uh, worked with this, taken this further, investigated this. Some scientists have just, you know, built equipment, machines that operate on zero point energy. I was, I was fortunate enough to meet Brian O'Leary back in the 90s, you know, the scientist, NASA astronaut, and he came to Scotland and did some talks and workshops at Fintorn. I was living near there at the time. And um, he, he talks about how, how he investigated that whole field of zero point energy. And he actually traveled around the world to meet scientists had invented these machines and sure enough he said yes they do they are they, they're, they're operating um, from zero point energy in other words they don't only a small amount of energy to get them started but then continued to run on this 
energy from where is it coming from is coming from the zero point field so they, they have been built these these devices but you never hear about them of course on the news you know they're completely gone completely silent they just don't report it because well you know we all know it's going to upset the the power companies etc etc and you know the same old story and so that's why it's been held back but they are a reality this is a fact this energy now you know to me it's it's no big deal it's just of course that the energy is there it's it's that's only and that's only one aspect of it it's like the whole of space is filled with light waves as i said and Light waves never rest, there are energy in constant motion. So really that's what the zero point field is. It's just like another, it's another level, another harmonic of the same thing, the light waves. But at this particular level, we can tap into it. Now, it doesn't stop there. There's, you know, as I explained earlier, there are higher and higher and higher harmonics, which these devices won't be able to tap yet they can only tap one level of it so far but when a healer is, is for example tuning in to do a healing session they're tapping into that same energy now they won't they don't call it zero point field but it's the same energy and maybe they're even tapping into a, even a higher harmonic of the energy depending on their own personal development but so that's you know it's that's what the zero point energy is it's the faster dimensions of light the higher harmonics of light that we can tap into through either devices equipment or through our own consciousness our own conscious intent it might be through particular ritual or through prayer or through a type of meditation there's different ways of tapping into it and everyone has their own way of doing it so that's what i that's how i describe the zero point field you explain that, you know, your theory, the morphic resonance of light explains the non-locality and the distant healing and remote viewing. So tell us how is that, why is that the case and how does that work? What is non-locality and how can we actually, with our own thoughts, influence something or someone miles, miles and, and um, thousands of miles away? Mm -hmm. Uh, distant healing is a fact, and again, it's been proven in experiments. Uh, well, one, one method of distant healing is prayer, of course, and the, I cite several prayer studies in the book, as you know, they um, have demonstrated without a shadow of a doubt that prayer can work um, through conscious intention, aligning with a healing force, whatever that may be to you, and then directing it to the person who's, um, or, you know, to the person who's needing the healing. <clears throat> now, this has been proven in experiments over and over. Even Harvard did uh, studies into prayer experiments, double-blind studies, and um, nobody knew who they were praying for. The people who needed the healing didn't know who was praying for them. You know, so um, and then at the end, they, there was uh, there was a healing effect in the people who received the healing. So. Um, so that's been proven that you can direct with your conscious intention, you can direct healing energy anywhere. Now, explain in the book is how this works is because 
light, as I've said, is everywhere anyway. It's non-local, and that's what non-local means. It just means it's not local to this point. It's everywhere at the same time. And that's the nature of light. And of course, it's also the nature of consciousness. And we know that as well through experiments with healing, because you can send, you can use your consciousness to align with a healing force, how, whatever that may be for you, um, and direct that healing energy to somewhere could be on the other side of the planet, and they can receive it instantly. And you can actually do this experiment for yourself. You can note the time that you send it, and then ask them when they received it, when they felt it. Some people don't feel it, but some people do. And you'll find it's the same time. And it's because light is everywhere anyway, all the time. And we just by observing we, or interacting with it, we're changing its behavior. Yeah. Yeah. In a sense, it's not really traveling anyway. It's already there, if you like, because our consciousness and light are all field, you know, the, it's all there in the field anyway. Yeah. So it's the intention actually that happened. Well, the, I think your dedication in your second or maybe third book on how to attract dedication is towards healing and enlightenment of all people everywhere. I'm telling you, I just love you to pieces because that's, that is who Gloria Prima is. But how do we, that we have been so stuck in the ego and me, I want this for me. I want the fame and the money and all of that. And more people are starting to feel like this is not working. We need to come together and we need to be of service to others. Genuinely, most profoundly, we've talked about increasing our heart coherence, moving things in our own lives. But how do we become good servants of this earth and, and really make this world a better place? Mm -hmm. It's a process. Um... We, we all come into life at different stages in our evolution. Um, it's a very long process. But um, while we're here, we can do much to advance our own understanding. And especially now, you know, we're, at the, um, we're at the end of a great cosmic cycle at the moment where the old structures that no longer serve humanity start to break down. We're seeing that. The new structures are being built at the same time, right behind it. The new world is being built and things are going to be very different. Um, will be based on truth and justice and peace and love. And that I see that happening with the, the awakening that's happening around the world at the moment. People are really waking up. And they're waking up in many, many cases being forced to waken up, but they're waking up to realize that there is something more to life than the physical and the you know the ego-driven craziness that we've had for such a long time so I think that's coming to an end but it's a process it will take time but um, so all the practices we we can we can align with healing for uh, it's different for different people you know people have different names for it it doesn't really matter what you call it, but as long as it's love, I would say, that's the only caveat I would say, as long as it's love, because that creates the coherence and the power as we, you know, as we discussed the power of that coherence. If you think about it, that coherence couldn't be 
achieved by anything other than love, if you think about it, because it's what would happen to that level of power if it wasn't love? <laughs> so I think that's probably the reason why all the teachers who've come to the earth have taught that love, you know, love one another, one another. Um, that's sort of been a central theme. Um, so I would say align with love from whichever tradition, you know, you feel you resonate most with as long as it's love. Well, Gloria, you have written many, many books. They're all on Amazon, people, that you have to have your get your hands on. Uh, it is going to be one of the best investments that you make for your life, hands down. I even have children's books that you've written for my <laughs> kiddos that we read every night. The, the, the amount of research and the work that you've done, I want to ask, what is your hope with this with this particular book? It's all light, but really all of the work that you're doing for the humanity. Yeah, I just that's a powerful question. <laughs> um, when I was writing the book initially, it was for my understanding. As I said, I had to understand. I was driven to understand. The meaning of life I suppose why are we here what's it all about um, I've always since I was a young child I've been very <clears throat> aware of love and aware of when love was absent and the importance of love and um, it's the one thing that pains me the most when I when I see a lack of love because I know how damaging it can be and I know how healing it can be mm. when it's present. So it's what the world needs now. <laughs> you know, it sounds a bit corny, but that's how I end the book as well. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. You know that song? Yes. That's what the world needs at the moment. And it's a great healing force, more powerful than anything, as we know from the experiments, you know, with the coherence experiments. It is the most powerful thing. But, you know, I'm, I, I would say that I would never prescribe to someone, you must do it this way, you must do it that way, because then you're in the realm of religion. You know, and, and I completely understand why people, you know, want to follow a religion. I have no problem with that. But I would say the only caveat is, is it love? You know, are you learning love? Are you learning to love? That's the only thing I would say, only, the only uh, condition. But um, so as long as you can connect with love yourself and you'll be okay. We can achieve a lot. What, what a beautiful ending of one of the most beautiful conversations that I have had. I am so incredibly thankful to you. Connecting with you is one of the most beautiful things and affirmations in my life. I want to thank you for taking the time to write the book, even when you didn't want to, or or like, the, the, you know, I know that it takes time. I'm writing a book right now for really uh, writing it for all of us to understand and for being such an incredible beacon of light and shouting from the rooftop that, that we can change, we can do better. If we can access that love, not only can we change our own lives, but literally the whole world. So I, I'm so thankful to you for taking the time 
to talk to me. I feel so honored and privileged and forever, forever grateful to you. Oh, it's been my honor to speak to you, Jasna. I so appreciate you taking the time to do this interview and um, I thank you very much. Thank you. Gloria Prima, uh, the book is It's All Light. Um, and there's also other books like How to Attract and some of the children's books all available on Amazon. And you can also learn more on www.itsalllight.co.uk. And we're going to have those links included below in the descriptions to decide on top wherever this video finds you. If you really feel like you want to create a better life for yourself, you owe it to yourself to buy this book and read about Gloria and her work and contact her because she is an incredible human and she does some, um, you do EFT and people can contact you through your website uh, for that, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, thank you all for listening. May you all today do something that's going to increase your coherence and of those around you. And may we all be the change that we have been wanting to see. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jasna. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world. Please share with anyone that might find this useful and go ahead to all iTunes stations and please give us a five-star rating. So much love for you all. Please, please, please know that everything can be different. You're worthy. You're good enough. And let's up-level together.